In this series, we hear stories about the role masculinity plays in today's world, as I try to become a better version of myself every day. Join me and let's discover this together. Part of my anger was me leaning into the masculinity. And I feel a little bit like it's not me. Like I'm a very masculine man. I'm like, I am completely not ignorant of how I appear. And I do feel like that is how a lot of people treat me because that's what they see. And I don't like it. Today's guest is Tim Alexander, who lives in London and works in the restaurant industry. In this episode, we're delving into anger. What happens when you suppress it? what it's covering up, and how it might help you explore your own masculinity. The story starts in a pizza shop where Tim was working as a delivery driver. He liked the job, but he didn't get on with one of his managers. Everything came to a head one afternoon. When I would come on shift, you wouldn't want to make eye contact. I would be the one who'd say hello which was a bit odd to me, like someone wouldn't do that. So she was always a bit awkward with me. I had to deliver this pizza and I'd gone out into the middle of nowhere because the the app system they had had told me to. And when I got there, like it's pretty normal practice that if you can't find the place or you're not sure where you are, you ring the customer and you say, oh, I'm here. Do you know where I am? And Obviously, I asked her before I'd left where what was up with this. And my understanding is it was the automatic place that it sends you to if it doesn't know where you're going. And she was supposed to be my manager. So I sort of thought, shouldn't she have known that? But when I got there, I rang the customer. And sort of understandably, he was quite annoyed. But he basically chewed me out on the phone and said a bunch of unpleasant things to me. But he was just very annoyed, which I understand. I don't think he needed to be quite so unpleasant towards me. But what I decided was from how I felt, I was like, well, I'm not putting up with that. I was going to clock off shift and go home. And when I went back, I, um, I put the pizzas on the side. I put my keys and my the phone they gave me, I put them on the side. And I went literally to take the door to leave. I knew what state I was in. I was irrational and angry and emotional. So I was just going to go home because it seemed like the most sensible thing to do. I've done it in the past and I've been at work and someone said something and I've, my temper has gone. And I'm just like, I'm going to go home because, you know, I don't want to get in a fight with anyone. I don't want to yell at anyone. I don't want conflict. So I would just leave. I said that, like, this guy chewed me out and she was a bit like, so what? It didn't, like, there was no fault on her end. You know, it doesn't excuse what I did, but, like, there was an animosity between us. And uh, as I go to the door, she says to me, calm down. And I, I literally have like a, a switch in my brain go off. When you're angry and someone tells you to calm down, I feel like it completely invalidates how you feel. Like you shouldn't be annoyed. You shouldn't be angry. And I, I do understand that it's sort of a knee-jerk reaction for some people. But I guess for me, it was like, it reminds me of being told to calm down when being a child and it's triggering. And basically, I went off like a bloody rocket. And I, I shouted at her, and I must have shouted for like two seconds, but I said, don't you bloody tell me to calm down. I can project my voice. So if I actually lose my temper, it's bloody scary because of the volume. It's incredibly loud, and I'm aware of it. 
But in that moment, I literally had lost it and I shouted. And then I just sort of froze there and I was sort of shaking and she was like, I'm going to ring the police. And then eventually I just left. When she said calm down before you, you got angry and shouted, what did you actually do for her to say calm down? Was it your energy? Were you saying other things to her? No, I didn't say anything. I came in and I literally chucked the pizzas on the counter and I was just like, oh, that's what I did. I put them on the counter. I said, he can stick them up his ass." <laughs> that's what I did because that's how I felt in the moment. I'm like, I'm not going to be abused by customers for minimum wage. It's not worth it. I mean, now I wouldn't deal with the situation anywhere near close to that because I've come to terms with my anger in a much more healthy way. But at the time, I, I clearly didn't know how to deal with it. Having spoken to the other managers who were both men, they said, ah, if you'd have done that to me, I just said, look, calm down, mate. Take a minute. Um, but because it was a woman, I understand that it was scary. Um, and we did sort of have a talk, but she, again, because we didn't get on, it was very sort of high and mighty, like, when she was talking to me, and it just made me feel worse. I, I felt like the victim in the situation. I don't think that was true. Because <laughs> really, it's like, yeah, I, I could sort of see that I was tired. Someone else had chewed me out. It doesn't give me an excuse to yell at someone. Irrelevant of my own emotional state. But it's, I think, especially with masculinity, from my experience of it, it's always this <laughs> suppress everything else. You're only allowed to be angry. Um, it seems like the only emotion that men are allowed to express is anger. And then obviously when you do express it, it comes out and it's basically everything you've been feeling. And so the stress, the tired, the everything, it just all comes out in one go. And then you feel very justified in the moment. And then now, obviously, I don't because it's like there's no excuse for doing that. Now I feel like I'm a much more calm person. Mm. When you came back with the pizzas and you you, you slammed them down, if, say, one of the, the male managers who you got on well with had sent you out to the wrong address and you brought those pizzas back, would you have been as angry if it was one of those on shift rather than her? I, I think they'd have probably said something to me sooner. I think that's the difference. Like they said, they said they would have said, oh, you know, calm down. It's all right, mate. Like, whereas I, I, she didn't seem to give a shit, like, was the gist I got from it. But, I mean, she didn't afterwards when she was talking to me. She was like, oh, you can get chewed out by customers. It's fine. I don't believe that it is in any scenario. Again, it doesn't excuse what I did, but yeah, it just doesn't ring true to me that customers should be allowed to yell at servers. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, I did get on with the other guys better, but I didn't necessarily chalk it up to them being male. Like, I mean, maybe she did. I don't know. It's a difficult one. How does this relate to the relationship between men and women in the sense that Hypothetically speaking, if if it was a male manager who had treated you the exact same way as the woman, do you think you would have do you think you would have got as angry with the male manager as you would with her? Yeah. Okay. If I'm honest, I do. I yeah. it wasn't the agenda thing yeah. for me. I think if it was a male manager, they'd probably be less likely to threaten to call the police, which is the thing. Because obviously I, I mean, when I spoke to my other manager after the fact. He said he looked at the footage, which was obviously silent, and I only lost my temper properly for about two seconds. And he told me, it just looks bad. Like, it looked horrendous. Like, I really did lose my temper. And I obviously, two seconds, and then that was in control. But it must have come out full volume. Like, I mean, it must have been scary. I'm not ignorant of that. 
And if it had been a male manager, he'd probably have been less afraid, which I completely understand. Um, but I mean, that could just be a size thing, not necessarily gender. Like a very large woman would probably be less afraid of you because men tend to be bigger. So I don't necessarily chalk it up to gender. I mean, my own relationship with masculinity is to the point where I, I consider myself non-binary at this point. It's just fascinating because it's very, very unlikely that someone is going to, a, uh, a man is going to attack a woman in a workplace, but her reptilian brain doesn't know any different. It's just like fight or flight. I was going to say, it's one of those things if you ever see a man break down in tears or something and like, like properly break down in tears, like a little kid. And to me, I see a little boy who needs a hug. But I do understand that if you're much smaller than that person, you must be sitting there thinking, what the hell are they going to do next? And that's almost exclusively a male experience is that you cannot break down. It is not okay to break down because a woman can do it. And there's only so much she can do. Like if I properly break down and I lost control, I could do a lot of damage both to myself and other people. Whereas a woman can almost do it and it's not a bigger deal. Like do tend to find that women, they're, they're more like to cry in public, but they're also more like to express emotion in general. And then men seem to lean into this, oh, I should be stoic all the time. And it's like, there's an element of stoicism and, you should be able to control your emotions. But then for me personally, like I got to the point where I stopped crying because I didn't think it was okay. And then five years after my father-in-law died, who I was, oh, my ex-father-in-law, because we were very close like when I was coming up and he was very, a sort of a very masculine man. And obviously he didn't cry and stuff. But I got about five years after and I realized that like some of the anger, some of the pain I was walking around with was that. I'd just been walking around with grief and done absolutely nothing with it. And so I was sitting and training myself to cry again. Like, I, even today, I struggle with it. Like, I don't think it's okay. I don't feel like it's okay. I think it's okay because I know that it is okay, but I don't feel it fully. And I've been doing my own cognitive therapy with a bunch of stuff like that. And a lot of them are toxic masculine because the beginning of my depression was a breakdown I had because I was working full time. And then trying to do everything else. I was working night shifts, 10 hours, was doing 40 to 50 hours a week, and then trying to come home and do everything. And I just had a breakdown, a complete breakdown. And it was like, yeah, because I, I spent no time trying to relax or feel what I was feeling. I just pushed and pushed and pushed. And like this pizza thing was just like another example of where I pushed and broke and then continued to push for some reason. And now I don't push anywhere near as much and I'm more comfortable with sometimes I just feel something and I'm going to sit and I'm going to feel it and that's okay um good the bad the ugly um but the more I felt it the less it was like the less it became anger and depression and then it was like sorrow and sadness and it's like I can deal with all of those they're they're much less overwhelming but you have to work you have to feel the other ones to get to those ones and I feel like often you you think that you can't get to them because you're not allowed to feel the first ones it reminds me of a, a quote that i read years ago it said feel the feeling until it can't be felt anymore and i think as men sometimes we 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 don't want to feel those things we just kind of we we just shove them away into a into a corner but they're actually still living breathing thing and we just think oh i buried that but it's not it's kind of bubbling under the surface so i was curious if you think about 
the situation with the woman and the anger and the animosity you you felt towards her in that moment when you when you as you say you lost it what was the percentage of you were annoyed at her but you're also you've got that catharsis you want to let out from your father-in-law that you were close to who died and, and any other things like you say depression and things like that in the past the way i've rationalized it is the way i felt was true to the situation the way I reacted was disproportional. And whenever I found something, like I said, when I go into my therapy or I find myself, I go, why did I overreact to that? Why, why was my reaction so big? Like it shouldn't have been, it was too much. And every time I've done that, I, I've gone, there's something I'm missing. There's, there's something I'm feeling under the surface, which I haven't addressed yet. And I did cognitive therapy for thought to deal with a lot of the depression and then I, I think it was seven months ago, I came across a different version of it, which was trying to figure out what you, th you feel rather than think. And so then you go through, what do I feel even if it isn't true? And then I found that there's a lot of things from childhood that I still feel, which aren't true. And I have to reprogram that just as I reprogrammed like how I thought over six years. Mm. You said something interesting before when you said the female manager said, calm down it created this trigger from from being a child i'm thinking about my life as well someone said that the exact phrase or the the exact words that remind you of something from 10 20 years ago it can trigger those things even being aware of the fact that for me someone going calm down is a trigger it gives me more power over the situation because i can then recognize that and go if it happens i can go oh oh that's going to make me feel a certain way I now need to tell them, look, I need to step away from this. I can't think rationally in that moment because you can't. If it's going to trigger something from childhood that you don't necessarily have control over. I must have been 20, 26, I think, when I was doing that job. And when I reached about 27, I realized like a whole heap of anxiety just sort of fell off me. Like I just didn't care anymore. <laughs> Which sounds really strange, but it's like at 27, I was like, oh, I'm me. This is me. By the depression, the everything, I just accepted all of it. And I was like, this is who I am. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be depressed sometimes. And it's not, I stopped resisting a lot of it. And so I think that, like, yeah, definitely the, the toxic part of it was me trying to push through everything and then mm. not being able to. I've had a similar situation to you where it's like you're accepting the, the good and the bad parts of you and then you're willing to let, not allow it, but just let it go. Yeah, it's definitely from what I've, when I've spoken to other people, like going through your 20s is a bit of that. Because when you're a kid, you're like figuring out what you're doing, and then you get into your 20s and you're like, oh, there's a bunch of fallout from childhood, which you didn't expect to have to be dealing with. And at a certain point, you realize, oh, I can't just stuff this down. It has to be unpacked. It has to be dealt with. And it's hard and it's difficult, but it has to be done if you want to be a better person. That's, to me, the question is like, do you actually want to be better? And if you don't, stuff away. <laughs> but if you actually want to be better in yourself and to feel better as well, you have to take out things that are not necessarily nice to look at in yourself. And you have to accept them. Like even anger, if you accept that you're angry, it passes. If you hold on to it and go, oh, I shouldn't be angry, or especially as a man, it's very common to go, oh, I don't want to be an angry man. That's a stereotype. And then you push back against, you know, you can sort of tie yourself in knots trying to 
get out of it. And you're like, oh, I don't want to be an angry man. I want to be a nice man that people like. And then you're pushing it back against your own anger. And it's like, well, you can't stuff that away as well. Like, I had an experience where I, I lost my temper a lot and it, it sort of shook me. And that was a, after the pandemic. And I think everyone had things that were bottled up from that. I really lost my temper and I haven't lost my temper since. Not like that, not lost it. I've been angry. I've not lost my temper. I haven't lost control because I realized that I can't because it isn't just everyone around me who, yes, I'm going to probably terrify if I do it. I'm going to hurt myself. And so I owe it to everyone in the situation to be calm. And I, I've said it in job interviews. In fact, I, I said to them, some men are born calm and some men have to be. And I have to be. That's how it feels. Because I started working in the kitchen again seven months ago and I went from fry cook to sous chef in seven months. And I'm like, yeah, that's impressive in itself. But 10 years ago, I couldn't have worked in the kitchen. The pressure would have just eaten me alive. Like I would have just been anxious the whole time. And now I, I was in there and they were, I started in KFC is where I started. And there was six fryers, all of the chicken. I was the only cook in there most of the time. Come lunchtime, they're like, oh, yeah, we need this, we need that. I'm like, fries are at capacity. Nothing I can do about it. Like, I'm working as fast as I can within the safety regulations and hygiene regulations. I just wasn't fussed. Like, I should have, like, you know, like a lot of, even some of the younger chaps in the kitchen, but they get really flustered. And I'm like, don't pay us enough to get flustered. Like, just chill. Just, and that seems to be where I am now. And it's, I don't necessarily feel like that person yet, but. I get the confirmation from other people. They're like, you're really calm and chill. I'm like, oh, oh, that's new. Like, that's the energy I'm giving off. But it's not, I haven't fully internalized it yet. Um, I still feel a little bit like the scary, angry man. Um, and I accept that I feel that. That's part of the skill set as well. It's just like, you don't have to rise to everything. It's too much work. Maybe that's getting old. Yeah. <laughs> You just go, oh, I should be passionate about this. And I'm like, eh, it's all right. Tim, you mentioned before about being non-binary and rejecting the idea of masculinity. Can you talk about that? Part of my anger was me leaning into the masculinity. And I feel a little bit like it, it's not me. Like, I'm a very masculine man. I'm like, I am completely not ignorant of how I appear. Um, and I do feel like that is how a lot of people treat me because that's what they see. And I don't like it. I don't necessarily like being treated as I appear because I had long hair for a very long time. And what I found when I cut it was a very different group of people were nice to me just instantly. Like they saw what they wanted to see. And so with short hair, they see a heteronormative man. And um, I, I, the primary experience that makes me feel non-binary rather than like a norm, not normal, but uh, I don't like saying cyst because it feels like an insult, but assist man basically is when i've been in an all-male environment a lot of men switch like they they turn they change and they talk about particularly women in a completely different way they do if it's a you know if it's a gender environment where there's two people uh, two genders they speak differently and i don't switch and i find it really uncomfortable when men do and then they start going they start saying things about women and I, I just feel uncomfortable. I, I'm heterosexual, but it makes me uncomfortable. Um, 
and I couldn't explain it for a long time. And I, I sort of did quite a bit of reading about um, people getting sex changes because I didn't understand it from the perspective of they said, I feel like I'm the wrong gender. I'm like, you feel like a gender. I don't understand what that means. I don't feel like a man because I don't know what it is to feel like a woman. I feel like myself. So to me, the language was very confusing in itself. But then when I was reading about it, I came across the term non-binary. And it made me feel a lot better because it was like, oh, it's okay. I don't need to understand it because I, I don't understand it. And a lot of people have said to me, I don't understand non-binary. And I'm like, well, do you understand what it is to be to feel male and to feel female or a woman or a man? And they say, yeah, I understand that. So, well, I don't. So we're in the same boat. <laughs> you don't understand how I feel. I don't understand how you feel. Because it doesn't make sense to me. And I accept that it doesn't. But because I accept that I don't, a lot of masculinity I've completely thrown away. Um, like I bought... I buy things with flowers on them, which are clearly aimed at women, but I like them and I like flowers. And from my reading, flowers are positive psychological things. Like they're nice things to have around you. They like people who doodle flowers have a better psychological state. And I'm like, so why are they exclusively for women? That seems very odd to me, but like, we're like, oh yeah, flowery things, they're for ladies. I'm like, right. So men are not allowed to have something that's positive. It, It feels a bit odd. It's like the color pink, isn't it? You know, the color the color pink is, you know, if it's pink mm. clothes, pink tops, pink trousers, whatever, that's only for for women. But now that you're seeing people kind of reject that and go, well, I'm a man, I like this pink T-shirt, so I'm going to wear it. Yeah, you do see more of it. But again, it, it's one of those things that like sometimes I'm talking to a man, I'm like, oh, he's like me, he's normal. And then I'm alone in the group with them and they talk differently and I find it really odd. I, I can't I can't really explain it. It just makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm like, who was I talking to before? Um like you put on a face when you're around women or gay people and I'm like, that's just it feels really dishonest to me and it makes them they just feel uncomfortable to me after that. Because I don't switch. I mean and whether women, men, I'm annoying in all situations. It doesn't change. <laughs> If I was describing like how I would aspire, I would say I aspire to matriarch, not patriarch, because both of those words have very different connotations. And I feel like patriarch is very aggressive. It's control. Whereas like you think of a matriarch, you think of mothering and nurturing and protective. It, it doesn't feel the same. Um, and yes, I think that does affect you if you're masculine and a man. And you're like, oh, the, the word patriarch to me, has a negative connotation. Um, and that's the gender I am. Like, I don't, as I say, I don't feel it, but I accept that I am it um, because I'm non-binary. It doesn't make any difference to me what I am, but it seems to make a difference to other people. And so I still experience life, obviously, as a man. Um, but, it, you know, it's one of the reasons I really like working in the theatre is because there's a complete spectrum because um, quite often I, I remember doing a course with some people much younger than me and um, they said to me, what are your pronouns? And I said, I don't, I don't care. I just don't care. He, she, it, they, it does not matter to me. When I write down, I do put MX um, just to make it clear to someone that I'm not 
a heteronormative man, which seems a bit odd that I do that, but I feel like it, it sort of needs saying, and it's, it's a label for other people, not for me. My experience with being on binary is gender means nothing. It means nothing to me. And I know not everyone's experience is that because it's a large umbrella term, but to me, it feels like you could just take the entire argument and all of the stuff and just brush it away because <laughs> it's completely irrelevant to me. I don't understand it, but I understand that society doesn't see that. I could really relate to Tim's story. There's been many times in my life where I've reacted instead of responded, and those are two very different things. Tim reacted in that moment, and he allowed his emotions to override his logic. Tim knew he'd made a mistake, but he was big enough to admit it. And that's all we can do when we have a situation like that happen to us. Confronting flaws and mistakes hasn't been an easy thing for me to deal with. And on many occasions, we don't want to admit we're in the wrong. Therefore, I respect Tim a lot for coming on and saying this. Tim talked about not identifying with traditional aspects of masculinity anymore, and now identifies as non-binary. For me, I remember the first time that I went against the traditional notion of masculinity. When I came home after being sacked from a gardening job, I was 17 years old, and instead of doing the typical thing of just keeping everything to myself and bottling it up, I released it and I started crying my eyes out. I was absolutely heartbroken, and I remember my parents being in shock because they'd never seen me cry like that since I was a kid. They gave me the permission to be upset, and I appreciated and embraced the fact that there was nothing wrong with crying. To be honest, I didn't blame the boss because I was absolutely rubbish at that job. <laughs> like Tim, over the years, I've learned to deal with my anger in more positive ways. One of which is going to the gym and getting all that anger out on a punch bag. So give it a go, I can highly recommend it. Thanks for listening to today's episode with Tim Alexander. If you'd like to learn more about Our Voices, make sure you go to the ourvoicespodcast.com website. You can also follow us on Spotify, and while you're there, make sure you give us a five-star rating if you love what we do. It would really help us to grow the show. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and I'll see you next week for another great story. Music.